This is CliffCentral.com. The South African black middle class has more than trebled over the past 12 years. And in 2016, it stood at close to 6 million people. This is according to the University of Cape Town's marketing professor, John Simpson. Simpson goes on to mention how this black middle class is a very driven class, determined to be successful. Now, in spite of their ambitions, this class has also been taught to regard their elders as parental figures, regardless of whether they're related by blood or not. So everyone is your aunt or uncle, and your way of addressing them should be respectful and sometimes submissive, even if you were their boss. So picture this. You're a 20 or 30-something-year-old young professional woman, and you have the task of employing a domestic worker. You feel apprehensive and even a little guilty as you find the right fit who just so happens to remind you of your aunt or your mother as she's of a similar age. You were never raised to tell older people what to do. You get along well, but you have many elephants in the room moments. This elephant, according to a W24 article, is called helper etiquette. How to communicate what you would like done without sounding like you're implying that someone doesn't know how to do their job. The author goes on to say how voicing this kind of inner conflict can make one seem like a classist, better black. Local actress Bonnie Mbuli has been vocal about this as well. She tweeted on the 23rd of July this year. Not sure why we're on this app fronting like hiring helpers is a more complex for black females. What are we gaining from shaming each other? Don't know. I'm still out here talking to helpers like they're my mom, all apologetic. We also become very apologetic because we know and care about their struggles, so we let so much slide when it wouldn't be tolerated elsewhere. Now, as some of you might know, I didn't grow up with a helper, and I had my fair share of chores. Sometime last year, I got a helper to come by, but I wouldn't let her near my laundry or my bedroom because I felt too bad about having her clean up after me. So I cleaned while she was around. So is Bonnie Mbuli pointing out a truth that's more prevalent than we realize? To help me explore this today is Ayanda Dlamini. She is a very passionate and driven woman, and some would call her the quintessential 21st century woman. She's a self-starter, she's dynamic, loves challenges, and doesn't take no for an answer. And with over 12 years of experience in advertising, she's, she's evolved to be able to tackle the challenging and fast-thinking conditions of the industry like a pro. In spite of her huge and vibrant personality and ambitions, behind it all, her passion for people, women, and even world peace, her words, has her middle-class self in the front lines of ventures that can impact people's lives in positive ways. Welcome, Ayanda. Thank you, Talisa. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. How are you doing? <laughs> good, thanks. What thanks an so amazing intro. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> good girl. Now you have to live up to it. <laughs> I mean, no pressure. So tell us a brief, um, or give us a brief background on yourself. Okay, so um, Ayanda Lamini. I come from a very small town in KwaZulu-Natal called Ulundim. Um, I matriculated in KwaZulu-Natal and I came up to Johannesburg to study at the University of um, Vitvartisrand. Um yeah, um, I live. What did you? Oh, you studied advertising, of course. No, no, no. I actually started um, at. I've got a, a BA in dramatic arts. Oh, okay. And then from there, I went to um, study a brand management course with Vega. Mm. So yeah, I live in four ways with a partner, 
as well as my older sister and her kid, who is my niece, and she's mm. three. So it's quite a, a dynamic household mm. that I, I kind of um, have the responsibility of managing. And what class would you say you come from? Definitely middle class. Um, so even your parents? Even my parents. My okay. mother was a school teacher. And my father was a clerk in mm. the parliament at um, Alundi. Okay. So very middle class. Um, however, middle class <laughs> that had domestic help from a very young oh, age. Okay. So, okay. yeah. And did you have family members who were of a low economic class? Um, I mean, I don't know if I agree to the term lower economic class when you're referring to helpers. Yeah. So my... Mother's older sister, Umamkul, was a domestic worker all her life. Um, mm. And I remember at the age of like 10, 11, school holidays, be June, be December, we'd pack up for those three weeks and be shipped off to Johannesburg mm. um, to spend the school holidays with my, um, you know, my Umamkul. But what was interesting there was that you would kind of live in the back room of, you know, her work sort of area. Ah, and yes. in front of us was this like, majestic, beautiful, sort of royalty-looking house mm. that we were never allowed to go into because the madam and her family were on holiday. So mm. we literally would share this open-plan area, um, mm. you know, sleep on the on the floor, with my brother, my sister, and Umamkulu, and just, you know, hustle, use our hot plate there, cook the food, do the thing, and just, you know, be be great. And once, ever so often, she would, like, open the gates to this majestic <laughs> house, and we'd, like, very quietly and neatly walk through the house and look through the furniture and just be like, but... What is this? <laughs> Who are these people? Like, what's actually going on? Um, and I think at, at that very young age, I got exposed to just the different classes. Mm, mm. And for me, the reality, even at that very young age, for me was, oh, I can't believe that I'm cooked up in this small, tiny setting. And literally 10 steps away from me, it feels like I'm in another world, another mm. time zone even. Mm. And it just, yeah. And as inquisitive as children are, did you, did you ask? I did. And I had what would so they many say? questions. What would they say? I mean, you, you, you get told to wind your neck in and stop asking questions. Oh, right. Because okay. it's very awkward for your mother to say to you, actually, <laughs> these are my circumstances. And I mean, the, the one, thing that she used to keep saying was it pays the bills and this I'm so grateful that you know they're good people um and I'm able to actually just put my children through school host you guys for these three weeks I mean it's just um I'm I was amazed even at that very young age how our mothers have always been these grateful genuine individuals and do you think that was a good example um you know as a as a grown woman that in spite of any circumstance that you're in whether good or bad that you are generally grateful i think that uh, i do lead from a space of um gratitude so absolutely mm. um yeah i think love and gratitude are one thing that was kind of seeded at a very young age and so mm. it's 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 kind of helped me to 
operate from those two sort of spaces more often than not. I feel like if you are my friend and you know me very well, you know that whatever circumstance you're going through, my first piece of advice is I need you to change how you're looking at the situation mm. and just be grateful. Mm. Um, and when I say it, I know that it sounds demeaning. It even feels like I might be, you know, less drama in your situation. But mm. I find that because gratitude really changes, you know, pretty yeah. much all circumstances, it's it's my go-to sort of space often. It's energy. It is. Mm. But some perceive it as lowered standards, right? That if you feel grateful about even, you know, bad situations or circumstances, that sometimes it's lowering your standards. Do you think it's the same no, thing? No, girl. So I battled with that because, mm. I mean, a lot of – I, I did kind of come across people who would say to me, but don't you just think that you perhaps are just okay to settle? Mm. And I rejected that sort of mind frame completely to a point where I don't have people like that uh, in my life anymore. Like I don't have mm. those type of conversations no longer. So I disagree completely. Mm. I mean, and, and I asked that because I think, well, I mean, we'll get into it a little mm. bit later on. But I think it's an interesting thing in the space of having a domestic worker who's old enough to be your mother yeah. and isn't doing a great job mm. and having to feel grateful for what she has done. Right, you know, um, mm. whether it might be lowering your your expectations of her doing her job well, you know, but uh, yeah. So, um, as much as there's this whole piece about gratitude, there's also a space where we we also need to be realists. We mm. also need to be these type of women that are real to a point where we actually are real enough to have honest conversations mm. that are building, you know, um, so. No, I, I don't take sort of any gratitude towards a person that's not giving their circumstances their everything. Yeah. If you've come into a space and you are here to do a job, my expectations of you is that you need to give it your 100%. Mm. And we should be both mature enough to be able to address situations as they arise. But you can still see what is worth being grateful for. Absolutely. I see. So... um at the same time, your what your your mothers showed mm. you when you asked questions as an inquisitive child, and they said, "Don't ask questions; just stop asking questions." Mm. <laughs> was how to um, engage with adults, mm. right? That sometimes they can shut you down, and it's not necessarily that you can ask a second question. It's not that you can continue to be inquisitive, so they put you in your place. Absolutely. Um, and so, in ways that they told you and in ways that they showed you what are some of the things that they taught you about a relationship with elders so i mean being the zulu dynamite that i am yes i mean <laughs> tradition respect culture mm. are mm. so cemented in me that yes to your point you kind of as a child, you are schooled into thinking that there's certain things that you can discuss with your elders and you know for a fact that once you've asked that one question, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there's real things like a side eye from your mother that mm. kind of tells you to back off or stop mm. um, or like you are going to lose your life type vibe. Mm. Um <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm I'm gonna cut you. Lose your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cut you, and it's amazing because it's like 
it's literally one look and it's mm, like, okay, how did we even get here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we are raised by the whole village. Yeah. <laughs> so true. There's, there's so many other factors and other pieces of the puzzle that actually come into play. Um, so it wasn't one sort of stream of learning. It was all sorts of things that are coming your way. And it was for you as the person that had been raised in a a particular household that Mm. was decent. You knew what to take from each situation and make it something valuable for your, your, your people, for your, your parents, mm. so that you can look back and they can look back and are proud of you, essentially. I mean, just very quickly, and, mm. and I, I didn't imagine going into this, um, <laughs> into this, this uh, stream of, of exploration, but I'm just wondering, because you're in the advertising industry, yeah. um, how are some of the ways that black females are represented on TV... Um, and maybe it's also different age groups. So how are younger black women, older black women represented on TV um, in ways that might reinforce our teachings? I think that we've had to be open-minded from both a an older generation as well as a younger generation um, perspective to kind of find solutions that don't put us in awkward situations as the brand custodians, mm. where it's easy to start a conversation, a negative com- conversation about a cultural something. Mm. I mean, um, some cultures are guarded so much that you can't be that irresponsible. And irresponsible I use in, in inverted commas because you can look at it either way. Mm. But you can't be that kind of loose about people's culture to a point where you are depicting it in any, you know, uncertain way on other TV, radio, etc. So do you have a domestic worker? I do. Oh, is it a live-in domestic worker? No. Okay. So she comes twice a week. Okay. But she's relatively new with me. How old is she, if I'm asked? She is 28. That mm. is so young. She's my age. Dude, she's got two children. Oh, wow. Maintains her own sort of household with her husband, um, hmm. you know, and still comes to our houses to help us out. Wow. Mm. I'm <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> There's like no man in sight for me, let alone a family. I like that. Okay. <laughs> and how has that been? Because, I mean, we, we've been talking about an age gap or generational gap. How has it been being in the same generation mm. as her, but being in a different class? It's very awkward. Mm. My sense of discomfort comes from, you know, past experience when I had a a lady from Zimbabwe a couple of years ago and she had been with me, I think it was probably seven months, maybe longer. So she had said to me that, you know, there's something that she needs to go to Zimbabwe to go and take care of. And she was going to be gone for like three weeks or whatever. And she'd said, can I borrow, you know, some money? When I get back, I'll give it back to you. But to Lisa, she just, you know. She just left. She just didn't return. She didn't come back. You know, so uh-huh. it's, it's, it's. You kind of also need to be mature enough to understand that just because, you know, you had certain experiences, they'll mm. be repeated. But mm. you asked about discomforts. I think that's the only discomfort I'd definitely 
speak to. Mm. And is there anything about your lifestyle that you feel embarrassed about um, when she sees it? You know, whether it's yeah, takeaways or um, party mm-hmm. habits. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of uh, wine bottle situations mm-hmm. in the dustbin, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure she's on time. Ugh. Girl, what's what's happening? Mm. Um, so I also think she doesn't understand my work because some days I leave the house at whatever time. <laughs> some days I'm like I'm there. So she's on some. Do you actually work? Like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, I I find that I've been fortunate enough to have very open-minded individuals, and that's what I look out for in in people. Mm. We we shouldn't be in each other's spaces to judge. Mm. And have you had an older yes, I have domestic worker. When was that? And probably uh, I want to say four years ago. Mm. Um, For how long? She, she didn't stay. She didn't stay. Um, she had real challenges. Like she was quite old. Um, I can't tell you like a, an actual figure, but I'd look at her and be like, yo. You need to you need to stay <laughs> home, I mean. Wow. Um, but our sort of washing line, for instance, was at the very top oh. of the building, which meant that there she was with like mm. this massive bucket of laundry trying to maneuver up and down these stairs, you know. So mm. it wasn't practical for her, but she needed the job. And how was that relationship with her? Were there any moments where you felt uncomfortable? Was, I mean, besides things like that, practical things like that. Um, it was socially. very, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, at some point, she started almost shouting at me because hmm. she, at at some point, she said to me, "Can you get me a a larger sized um, sort of basket?" Um, I want to call it a monkey, but like well, a, a, a big size sort of thing to maneuver um, the, the clothes around. Mm. And I just hadn't gotten around getting her what she'd asked for. Mm. And I remember the one time I got home and she just let me have it. She mm. just was like, I can't do this. Um, at the time, um, we also didn't have a washing machine. So I think in her, she had expectations that, you know, because we understand that she is elderly, she's got no business hand washing some of the clothes. Mm. So she was there for month one, two, three, dololo washing machine. Mm. And also as middle class working people, washing machines don't fall from the sky, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I get you, mother, but I, I'd like, yeah. I also need, so those things she kind of addressed me on. She was like, um, yo, um, I can't, like, um, this is not going to work for me. So, but that's an interesting point. Um, the expectation that you can afford it because of what your lifestyle alludes to. Absolutely. Um, and did, did those kinds of, um, situations occur often? Yes, they do. I mean, yeah, besides things like hectically expensive appliances. <laughs> but in which <laughs> but in which it which other ways were there expectations that you couldn't live up to although um, your life seemed to allude to something else? I mean, there's food. I mean, my mm. view is that when a person is in your home for the full day working, they should be able to eat. Yeah. But recent conversation with my current helper 
has been around the fact that, you know, when we know she's coming through, we make sure that there's enough food for her to kind of nibble on during the day when we are out. And we get home and we notice that actually she's left the food untouched. So I was like, okay, what's the situ? No, no, no. Um, I only eat certain things. Mm. So what you guys eat, you know, is, is not what I eat. I can't sit here and lie to you and tell you that I didn't catch any like feelings. I was like, girl, what? What's happening? But I mean, it's real things. Like it's like pork for her. She is a complete no-no. Um, she prefers, um, beef. One of the comments from one of the people that I told her, like, oh, go be expensive. Who's got money to buy beef every day? Um, tough vibe. So there's those some kind of, Petty, well, I don't like call it petty, but there's there's real things around food. Um, sometimes when it's leading up to month end and <laughs> your fridge is like mm. empty, there's like mm. water bottles and. <laughs> It's interesting because I feel so conflicted about these things because on the one hand I'm like yes girl get your life mm. <laughs> you know like it's it's good that you can you can say what you prefer mm. because in a lot of households domestic workers don't feel like they have that capacity to and sometimes they'll be given bad meat or bad food or whatever and they they they'll feel like they have no space to say that um and then yeah so so like I feel happy that they have that they feel that they can you know so I definitely think that working in, you know, young black households does provide that kind of space. Mm. But at the same time, sometimes it goes too far. Yeah. And that there isn't, there isn't a balance, right? It's yeah. either the one extreme where you're completely um, powerless. Yeah. And on the other hand, entitled. That's the thing. Um, and uh, That's so true, Talisa, because I mean, begin? <laughs> yeah, like the entitlement is, is kind of, yeah, can get very awkward. Mm. Um, one of the ladies I had the pleasure of meeting, amazing girl, um, but late coming became a bit of a, a thing for us because I've got certain standards. And also my viewpoint in this whole situation is that at the end of the day, this is a, a J-O-B. Mm. You know, so just because at the other end of the door you met with an Ayanda should give you no reason to feel like, oh, this mm. is my home and you are my homie because <laughs> no. Yeah. And um, she, and she shouldn't think that you, you don't deserve your expectations or your standards either. Absolutely. Mm. Cause I definitely do. Mm. I deserve all of my or else standards. You're the, you're, the, you're the better black, right? Oh my God. I don't know about the better black. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know about the better black. But it's definitely a thing. It definitely no, is a it thing. It is. And mm. and the sooner we are very open and honest about all these things that we've... And also, terms like better black didn't kind of land on our laps. They must have mm. started somewhere. So let's talk about it. Mm. So I think things like rocking up late or not even showing up on the day that you said you would for me it speaks to your character firstly second of all i also think it's that well it's just ayanda and those Mm. things i i battle with i'm just Mm. like okay so clearly at some level there is no respect yeah but how about for those that say for instance that 
White households don't understand when a black employee comes to work late because they don't understand the taxi mm. system or the bus system. And sometimes it, it breaks down or mm. it's late or it took the wrong route or whatever it is. Mm. Or sometimes an employee doesn't want to wake up too early in winter because it's too dark and they're mm. susceptible to crime and rape and those kinds of things. And so to a large extent, it's even become expected that white households just won't understand and they won't um, empathize and they, and they won't necessarily be free or open to, you know, being a bit kinder from time to time someone arrives late. Um, while in turn, they might expect that Ayanda must understand because <laughs> yeah. she understands the taxi industry. She understands my, my route or how long it takes. And so, so maybe that's also where the conflict could be. Like she must be a better black again, in inverted commas, yeah. if she can't even empathize with me on something she should understand. Mm. What do you say to, to people who, who feel that? So just, so there's two things. Um, I think the challenge when it comes to, the white employer and black employee helper dynamic is more of a communication thing. Um, I, I, I think that when Umama is running late for work, she feels disempowered, mm. probably doesn't have even the airtime to say, hello, um, Mrs. Watwat, I'm running late. Mm. And, you know, in a professional sort of setting, the minute you demystify that situation by actually having a conversation to say, I'm running late. These are my circumstances. I've found that people move on. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, get it. Like things are not going to work out according to the way that I want them to all the time. Mm. So I think the biggest thing is communication. Like I, I, because also there's things like fear between, the, yes. you know, those two people relationships or dynamics um so it's oh my god how do i even tell her that i'm running late um tap scenario oh i don't have a time and um you know it, it, it then those are the tensions in my view that kind of fuel this situation i do tend to agree that um with a helper coming into an under space and it, it becomes a thing of well of course, you know that I, I live in Dipslut and sometimes mm. taxis are on strike. So why is it an issue? And and my view on that is that it's definitely not an issue. But how about you tell me? Mm. There's things like security on my end as well. You need to get to a person's household. How they maneuver around making sure that you are safe, making sure that their house is safe. Like there's, you know, because I find that, you know, I know a girl that I used to work with, she used to have to wait for a helper to come in so that she can then lock up or mm, c- communicate yes. where the key is going to be. You know, so those conversations then become what? Because mm. then you're leaving yourself open as well to all sorts of other things. So, so you feel like on both counts, it's the nature of the communication. It's, it's the nature of the, the communication. Mm, but also I do tend point. to agree that it does feel like when it's black on black, you should just be fine and roll with the punches. Yeah, okay. But I do firmly believe that it's a, it's the nature of the communication. Mm. So, I mean, Bonnie, um, in her tweets, mentioned how there's so many things that she would just let slide that wouldn't happen in any other mm. situation if it wasn't a, a woman that reminds her of her mother or mm. 
Um, and so I'd like to test out some of these scenarios <laughs> with you, um, whether you've either experienced it, gone through it, or what you would do. And again, to keep thinking, for instance, of your, your aunt who was a domestic worker. And imagine if you had to like have that conversation with her. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what would you say? Um, let's actually go to, to the domestic worker that, who was supposed to do your laundry, but wouldn't do it because you didn't have a 65 million rand washing machine. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, how would you tell her to do the laundry? Knowing that you don't have a washing machine and you're not going to get a, a washing machine for some time, how, like how would you have that discussion with her, of giving mm. her that task? Well, I think in the initial stages, I'd probably land up doing the washing myself. Gave <laughs> <laughs> up so quickly <laughs> until um, it would probably get to that stage where I'm just like, actually, I can't. So I'd need to gather my everything towards myself to just be like, ma, this is the situation. At the end of the day, you know, this is a transaction type thing. So we need to either decide that, you know, you do your, your sort of ask a hundred percent, or maybe I look for somebody who will be able to assist. At which point does your authority feel authoritative? I think at the point where we're having conversations around, you know, X dates being your last day. Um, but I found that even then, I mean, Talisa, we had a very <laughs> awkward situation where the last girl before this one, I, you know, like, I don't know, she had, was Completely disrespectful as far as I'm concerned And she was much older than me um, So I'd sent her a nice text to say You know, you know, Tuesday will be your last day I'll pay you for the month um, when you come through Can you just, you know, let's just part ways And um, I think the following week she was on time So I'll see you today Type thing <laughs> Um, I don't want to have this conversation again. No. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you can't, because we don't have anything that speaks to a contract mm. Mm. and the processes thereof in terms of termination, mm. you start thinking about changing your locks. You start saying to, <laughs> dude, <laughs> start saying to your God, like, can you make sure that person X, <laughs> like, it becomes that gangster because it wouldn't, it, I at least have never had a conversation where I'm like, this is the contract. Mm. These are my expectations. And when I ask you to not come back, you know, this is what it actually means. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Okay. So, so in a way, because there isn't any termination of contract mm. to some extent nothing's been nothing's mm. been terminated mm. and it becomes a very unfair situation as well on the helpers um side of things mm. because you might be perfectly equipped and and able to find a replacement as soon as tomorrow mm. what does she do for yeah, for work especially because they tend to need to be recommended exactly and so if it didn't end well yeah then it it, it could pose a problem for her 
Yeah. At the same time, I want to have that kind of audacity in life. You know what I mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Where no. I'm just like, um, I'll be back <laughs> <laughs> and just show up. <laughs> Yeah, you like yeah, go find me today. <laughs> like you see, I'm not ready today for this, you know, no, okay. termination situation. I'll be back at work. So again, I feel conflicted because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to be you when I grow up. You but know, the thing is, like, it's a, it's a dangerous situation mm. though to be in because you know this person. Is heavily pissed off at you. Yeah, you don't know what else. They <laughs> and knows with. where you live, and, and knows that, where you keep your keys. You know what I mean? And yeah, no, absolutely. So Lisa, like, it, it, you know, I had a conversation with one of my closest fr- friends, Knox. She was in a. It was completely dangerous. Hmm. Like, the lady went and helped. Uh, sorry, found her friends to kind of come and deal with her. <gasps> oh, okay, mm. that's quite hectic. And what happened? They, I can't remember how they resolved it, but yeah, like I, oh, she had to bring in her brother-in-law to kind of come and defuse the situation. It just, it got out of hand quickly. Mm. And that isn't the first I've heard of this. And this is a woman with two children who's a single mother. And when I heard that, I just, I was like, ugh, mm. wow. what do you do? So what do you do when, um, another scenario, what do you do when she has done some bad work and you need her to redo it? Um, I'm trying to stop being this person that accepts mediocre from myself, from everyone. Um, however, I haven't mastered it at all because I'm still... <laughs> I'm still not able to have an actual conversation, which I feel is probably what's needed in those situations. I generally send a text to say, (laughs) (laughs) can you do ABC and... Do you just like lock the door (laughs) to your bedroom and then press send? (laughs) Send. (laughs) And then get into the car and drive away. (laughs) So... um, I, I mean, the responsible thing is definitely to have a conversation. Just because, once again... Oh, I love how you're saying what you should do. Do as I say, not as I do. Absolutely. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's... At the end of the day, I just... I do still want to highlight the fact that this is a, a job. I don't think that I would go into a workspace and give substandard. Mm. So, I feel like it's it's okay for me to not expect... Or accept substandard. Yes. Just I don't have because these are our sisters, our mothers, our grandmothers, our aunts. Mm. I still don't have the confidence um, to even be perceived as being hurtful. What are the sorts of feelings you experience? So, so I mean, some say guilt. They feel guilt all I the time. Some guilt. feel ashamed. Yeah. To have to boss someone like that around. What are some of the I feelings you feel? I just feel. Slightly spoiled. Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, when we use the word madam, I imagine somebody with like long nails. They must be shockingly pink in color. Um, and, you know, just not able to do anything from this for themselves. I feel like that sometimes. Mm, okay. What would you do if your helper constantly came late? Even if she communicates it to you, she just constantly comes late. She has one excuse after the next, and she's just always late. I'd ask her to to leave. Oh, really? Okay. And mm. you'd you'd manage to. Mm. 
Okay. Mm. <laughs> there's just, you know, there's just some things that I, I can't compromise on. Mm. Okay. Um, and what if it's something like extending her medical leave? So it's something quite serious? I mean, because, I mean, the scenario there is that I, I actually need somebody to come and help me out. Mm. So if she's not there, I don't quite know how that would work <laughs> <laughs> for okay. me because I'm a selfish, you know, individual. Mm. And I feel like at the end of the day, we all can get very selfish and we need to be thinking for ourselves and our mm. well-beings. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so... Where do you think your responsibility lies um, and where do you think a domestic worker's responsibility lies in terms of better communication, better relationship building and those sorts of things? I think that, you know, as individuals, we just we need to always remember respect. We need to remember that as much as it's a transaction, these are people that we are dealing with. Um, I also just believe very strongly that people are taught how to treat you or you teach people how to treat you. Mm. So I think if we can clearly define for any relationship before we start a relationship, what the expectations are up front and check each other as we go along when things are falling apart and don't Mm. live in the space where things fester and it becomes a gangster situation. Mm. Um, So my responsibilities are around, um, Making sure that I'm 100% transparent and genuine, mm. and I just expect the same. So, do you think that beautiful relationship is possible? I do. You do? I do. I think that it's something that we constantly need to be working at. Mm. Yes. And it's nice that you, you frame it as a work in progress. Absolutely. There isn't really a point of arrival, that it's a constant mm. practice of this. Exactly. Because we people, we evolve, our expectations change. Mm. So, it can't be this thing that we arrive at. No. Mm. Very nice way to end. Awesome. Ayanda, it hasn't been an easy conversation, certainly no. not. Um, and we know that it's not an easy aspect of our lives. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and no, I really appreciate that that um, roundup, that it's something that is worth working on. I mean, because it's, it's really something so beautiful to grow and build mm. and this way of... of um, of yeah, having a relationship, a beautiful and healthier relationship mm. with each other. Mm. Um, and I think you're a great example of that, um, of someone that really takes the time to treat everyone with dignity and, you know, sincerity and love and care. Mm. Um, and you get to be selfish as well. You know what I'm saying? It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Definitely. But thank you so much thank for you, indulging Teresa. me. Only because a pleasure. it's a very interesting, <laughs> juicy topic. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Thank you, Teresa. Um, and just very quickly, um, to follow us on Twitter, go to at made underscore labs, M-A-D underscore L-A-B-S. And on Facebook, made dot labs. Thank you so much for joining us and see y'all next week. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> this is cliffcentral.com.